There's like four pillars to the things that I teach and it breaks down all those limiting beliefs and we state positive ones to go forward. So the first thing is we look at the limiting beliefs. It really doesn't matter who you are within this world. Like I said, you could be multimillionaire, you could be starting off, you could be North American, you could be African. Everybody has limiting beliefs. So first thing we do is we look at the limiting beliefs. Second thing we look at is we put a specific system and plan for their success. So a blueprint for their success. Third thing we put into place is systems and processes for them to succeed. Because anybody that succeeds, the peak performing people within this world have great systems and processes that make them succeed, which is habits and rituals. So that's what we put. And finally, the last thing that we look at is what are we going to do to create massive value, massive impact, then the income follows. So as I'm able to look at these four pillars and elements, then we're able to see that, oh, how can we bring your story in and how can we make you peak performing individuals, not only in your business, but in your personal life and in everything else that you're doing. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. You've got Sean and Lacey here, just as we are each and every week, and we have a fantastic conversation planned for you today, something that we hope will be super inspirational, motivational, but also will speak to everybody who has a story about why you may not be able to accomplish, not that really that you are not able to, but a story, a pre-story, a reason why you think that it may not be possible, why you may not be able to accomplish your goals in life. We have a very inspirational guest here, but I got to tell you something. James is really good. James, our producer, is really good at booking guests in with last names. I mean, you got to go through, <laughs> you got to go through this, you got to go through our, our podcast list and see the, the, the guests that we've had. I we mean, we have the easiest ones. Lake, yeah, Lacey Book, Book and Sean and Dill. Dill. I mean, that's super easy. But our guest today, his name is Chris Dedeon. Dedeon. Didion. No, I had it right. We're going to ask Chris. Did again. <laughs> We're going to bring Chris. Christopher. <laughs> Welcome, man. Thank you so much for being with us. First of all, Sean and Lacey, I truly, truly, truly love that intro. Thank you very much, you guys, for having me. And yes, so my family name, I'm Armenian descent, so definitely a bit different, Dedian and all that aspect. But you guys did manage to say quite good helping each other out. <laughs> it's a beautiful you, last name. It is though. beautiful. And the key is Didion. to like say it fast because like, you say it really like Dedian. And it's like, yeah, you just, just yeah. it's almost, it's almost like one syllable. Dedian. <laughs> One that is true word. as well. I am a fast speaker, so it does come out in one syllable when I say it. So I'll, I'll pronounce it slower next time. <laughs> you have a fascinating, fascinating story, not only fascinating, but inspirational um, that I think will speak to so many people because here's what happens. You know, we do this podcast each and every week and people that listen to it, service professionals have a big service to bring to the world. Entrepreneur, Entrepreneurs, they want to help a lot of people and make a lot of money. They want to make a massive impact in the world. But a lot of people, they, they, they keep their mouth shut because they feel like they have some sort of a handicap or a limitation, disadvantage, yeah. limitation, disability. And, and, and the world has programmed us to say, 
yeah, just, just don't worry about it. Just, you know, put your head down. Let's just barrel through this. Your story is, is very unique. Um, let's start out by you telling us a little bit about the challenges that you um, bring to the table and, and then how you've managed, we'll have the conversation about how you've managed to turn those challenges into minor road bumps and find massive success. So, yeah, thank you very much for that question, Sean. I really appreciate it. So I'm guessing you're alluding to the fact that I'm dyslexic, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken over there. Yep. So uh, definitely a huge challenge, definitely something that just changed my life significantly and made me the man that I am today in every sense of the way. So if you permit, I'll actually give you a little short story over here of how that process happened. So at eight years old, my parents noticed that there was something wrong with me when it came to reading and writing. And they used to compare to my sister, which she's two years older than me. And they used to say, you know what? Like, he's not reading to the same level as her. He's trying. There's something wrong. So then finally, they get me tested and tested. And at eight years old, I get diagnosed with dyslexia. Now, at that point, my parents find a school that specializes for students in learning disability in the greater region of Montreal, Canada, where I'm from, which is called Vanguard. Now, they come see me in the middle of the school year and tell me, Chris, we're going to take you out of the school that you're in right now, and we're going to put you in a specialized school. Now, you guys could imagine it. Eight years old, all I'm hearing is I'm losing my friends and going to a special school. I I didn't want that. I didn't even understand what it was. Now, once I got into the school, first thing I realized as a young kid is that, wow, I'm not alone. There's hundreds of kids like me that have learning disabilities, and they're managing and they're succeeding with the process of the education system that we have. Furthermore, when I was there, I had specialists and I had the teachers, the speech therapists, and the techniques and the methodologies that I needed to succeed as a dyslexic. Now, fast forward until almost the end of the high school, like everybody, the next thing you think about is what are you going to do in your career? What are you going to go study? What do you want to become? And at that point, I started succeeding with dyslexia. Like I said, I was kind of well-structured. So I thought of potentially becoming a lawyer because I love wearing nice clothes. I love talking, so on and so forth. And then once I did a bit more research about what it takes to be a lawyer, I realized like 95% of the job is reading and writing. Now, for people who don't know what dyslexia is, it's learning disability. It has to do with reading and writing at such a high level. So it takes me maybe five times more effort to read and write than somebody that doesn't have dyslexia. So after I noticed that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go into uh, being a lawyer. Let me find something that has uh, a job that doesn't have or demand a lot of reading and writing. So the first thing I find is being a fireman. Now, Sean and Lacey, that's something that really got me excited. I'm like, all right, cool, fireman, got into the industry. It takes a little, a little time because it takes a little while before getting into the fire school. And then once I was in that industry as uh, becoming an industrial fireman, I realized that that wasn't my place. It wasn't my purpose 100%. And as I was starting to think about this, and this was maybe in my early 20s, I realized my whole life was preparing me to be an entrepreneur. When teachers used to come into the classroom and say, kids, put yourself in teams that fit. Even before they finished the word three, I had my head up and I was looking for who reads the best in the class, who writes the best. Let's put a team together and delegate the work. That's delegation one-on-one, very important for entrepreneurship. In college, when I was failing, I used to go see the teacher afterwards and I used to negotiate my grade up. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. Negotiation (laughs) one-on-one. So all of these traits that I had to develop as a young man to succeed in the education system that I was given as a dyslexic made it that I was an entrepreneur. So then I went into brokerage to become a real estate broker. And I'm almost done my little rant over here, but you can understand the kind of the storyline of where I'm at right now. Yeah. So once I got into brokerage, 
It took a couple of years before really starting off. And anybody that's an entrepreneur knows that it takes a little while to start off a business, especially from scratch. I started succeeding quite well, succeeding in the, in the normal way that society could say what success is, you know, the nice car, the money, the young man suits and all that. And one day my speech therapist calls me. They used to follow me in high school to ask me a question about real estate. She wanted to sell a property. After a few minutes, she's like, Chris, how's it going with you? And as you guys see, I could definitely go on rant. So I go on a rant. I'm like, oh my God, it's going great. (laughs) So on and so forth. Now she tells me she's the keynote speaker at this event put together by the Learning Disability Institute of Quebec. And she would love for me to come present my story as a dyslexic entrepreneur thriving in the world. I'm like, 100%, I would love that. Now, guys, you could imagine, I'm super happy. That same evening, she sends me an email in this subject letter in big caps. It's written, Chris, I do not think you should do this speech because there's still a lot of people that have a negative misconception of what learning disabilities are and dyslexic is. And you might lose some clients because of that. Now, I know that she was coming from a place of love. She wanted to protect me. In that same email, I write her, I'm like, you know what? I'll call you Monday because that was Friday evening. And I'm like, we'll talk about it. Monday comes around and I'm like, Bridget, I'm like, I think I should do this speech. The reason why is because if I'm not doing it, I'm not helping the kids that are on the school benches. I'm not helping the next generation and I'll be somebody fake. That's not who I am. And if there's anybody that doesn't want to work with me because I'm dyslexic, those are clients that I want to work with. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. Now she's like, oh my God, yes, I was 100% on board. I just wanted that, you know, you don't feel pressure to do this and it'll be on your end. I mean, 100%. And I'm like, Bridget, how many people are at this event? She's like about 200. Guys, the day of that, I walk in, I open the door, I look left and right. There isn't 200 people. It's more like a thousand people. Now, granted, I've never done a speech in my life at this point. Sweat is coming down my face. My heart is like palpitating and just going off. I'm like, what the heck did I get myself into? I'm sitting down speaker after speaker, doctorate this, PhD that are speaking. And I'm like, yo, what am I going to say? And then they call me on stage. And then that was this like, I call it like almost this divine moment. Like life was preparing me for this moment. And when I went on stage, it was just this amazing cross path that my life was preparing me for. And people were just in awe of what I was saying. Some people were crying. People afterwards wanted to connect and so on and so forth. That's how my speaking and coaching career started. After that specific moment, Mm. which is March, 2017, I shifted everything from my company, from being a broker to being a full-time speaker and coach. Everybody around me thought I was crazy doing that. But God bless, I knew that this was my purpose in life and I had to serve it. So that's the whole arc of my dyslexia to where I'd gotten essentially. That's just such an amazing story. And I love that you you pushed through even when people were telling you, you know, I don't think you should share this. And that you said, this is, this is my why, because I want to help other people that may be in the same position that don't know what's possible, that don't don't believe that they can overcome this and become anything that they want. And I just think that's very powerful. And you're right. That's what you were prepared for. So let me ask you, now that you've moved forward into, you know, coaching and helping people, you know, with their peak performance, how do you take those lessons that you've learned and translate it into their unique story and their business? What kinds of things do people struggle with that you help them with? Great question, Lacey. So honestly, what I have noticed, and I work with high-end CEOs, entrepreneurs, Fortune 500s, every single individual has about the same problem, has about the same doubts, limiting beliefs. So it starts off with, I 
really associate, there's like four pillars to the things that I teach and it breaks down all those limiting beliefs and we state positive ones to go forward. So the first thing is we look at the limiting beliefs because it really doesn't matter who you are within this world. Like I said, you could be multi-millionaire, you could be starting off, you could be North American, you could be African. Everybody has limiting beliefs. So first thing we do is we look at the limiting beliefs. Second thing we look at is we put a specific system and plan for their success. So blueprint for their success. Third thing we put into place is systems and processes for them to succeed because anybody that succeeds, the peak performing people within this world have great systems and processes that make them succeed, which is habits and rituals. So that's what we put. And finally, last thing that we look at is what are we going to do to create massive value massive impact, then the income follows. So as I'm able to look at these four pillars and elements, then we're able to see that, oh, how can we bring your story in and how can we make you peak performing individuals, not only in your business, but in your personal life and in everything else that you're doing. Mm. Let's repeat just the the four pillars. What, what were they again? Yes. So first is limiting beliefs. We look at that. Second thing is preparing a blueprint plan for your success. Third thing is putting systems and processes in your business and life that's going to help you succeed. And the fourth one is creating things that are going to create massive value, massive impact, then brings massive income on your end. Let's talk about th- let's talk about three and four because I know that our audience is going to be super fascinated with this. When we talk about putting these systems and processes into our lives, um, you know, Obviously, with a lot of the guests that we talk about, we talk about morning routine. My wife, Lacey, here, she's a big fan of you can't do it just in the morning. (laughs) There has to be a halftime adjustment, a midday routine, and an evening routine. Um, Is that what you're talking about, Um, number one? Number two, um, what are some other things that that you've noticed are very useful in helping us to stay grounded and systematized and and processed so that we don't slip back into those old limiting beliefs. <laughs> okay. I, I, I love that question, Sean. So first and foremost, Lacey, I love the fact that you just mentioned, or Sean mentioned that you are very much into the morning rituals and then the afternoon to restructure and then evening. I'm exactly the same thing. And that is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the rituals to succeed in your life and business. So I'm the same way. I wake up at 4am every single morning and I have a very specific uh, blueprint and structure of what I do. Every single time I do it, I'm be able to come into my work and give the max of my value towards a podcast, towards interviews, towards my clients and speeches and so on and so forth. And if you're permitted, I'll kind of give you the, the guideline of what I do every single morning Thanks. that structures it. So like I said, 4 a.m. I wake up. After I wake up, the next 15 minutes that I'm up, I'm meditating anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. After my meditation, I do a couple of stretches just to be aware of what my body's feeling like because I work out a lot. So I have to feel and see where are my nicks, where are this, where are that. Once that's done, I go and actually take a, a shot of apple cider vinegar, do a little toast, a thank you to the universe, God, everything that's uh, around me that get all the opportunities that I have. Then I go into my affirmations. I have a list of IMs. I have my yearly affirmations and I'm changing my story and my physiology by reading these affirmations even before I set down. Once that's done, then I go and sit down and I put my three things that I'm grateful for. So gratitude practice, three things that I'm grateful for. After that, I set my intention for every single activity that I have within the day. 
Now, I know you guys as entrepreneurs, once you start off your day, sometimes you feel like you're just putting out fires, one fire after another, helping other people finish their to-do list. But it's really important for you to set your intention. High-level successful entrepreneurs don't only set their intention once a year and call it news resolution. They set it for every single activity and that helps them succeed. And there's things that are linked up with your, uh, uh, your biochemistry of your brain that's making in that sense. So what I do is I look at all my agenda, I look at what are the tasks I need to do within those activities and I set my intention. Like today when I saw that I had a great podcast interview with you guys, I'm like, I asked myself, how do I want to show up today? How do I want to bring massive value to your audience? So I set it even before we sat down here together because for me throughout the day, I'm in meetings back to back to back. So I don't necessarily have time to do it before that. So I set my intention. Now, once that's done, I have about 45 minutes to an hour before going to the gym. I do CrossFit at 6 a.m., so at that point, it's my mastermind moment. I'm not doing anything that has to do with emails. I'm not doing anything that has to do with responding to my uh, colleagues, employees, whatever the case is. I'm not doing anything that has to do with socials. All I'm doing is creating as much as possible. Moments that I'm creating content, moments that I'm creating my speeches, I am just in my thought patterns. And the reason why that is, is because your brain is at a vibratory rate, which is alpha and theta, and it's so much more inducive to be creative and to learn faster and to be more productive within those moments. So those are the moments that I highly use at such a high level to be able to be an effective entrepreneur. Then at six, I go work out, come back, and uh, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes of reading, hit the shower, do a little yoga before the shower, and then I'm on, I'm on my start of my day. So that's how I, I set it up. And because I'm setting it up like that, I'm already walking into my first client, to my first meeting, to my first whatever, already with the proper methodology and energy and physiology. So that's my morning routine in itself. I, I love that. Um, Chris, how old are you? I am 32. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the hard question. You're Go 32 for years old. Um, it's Friday night, you're hanging out with friends, um, you're having a good time. And so you don't, you're not able to get to bed at the time that you normally would. <laughs> do you still it. wake up at four o'clock on Saturday and do all of that? Because that's one of the things that derails, or maybe, um, you traveled and right. And so now maybe you, you, you moved, um, West and you're on a different time zone and that screws it up. One of the things I love what you said, but one of the things that I think challenges people is that life happens and then you screw it up. And it's like anything. It's like, it's like working out. It's like diet, but for an entrepreneur, that thing is that morning routine. And then it just gets all screwed up. And then guess what? Tomorrow you don't do it. And then like, then it becomes how? the next day and the next day we see mm -hmm. that happen a lot mm -hmm. with people. Right? How do you get yourself back on track? Okay. I love it. So many, so many delicious things. 10 points for Gryffindor with that question, Sean. I love it. So here's the thing, my brother. It's very simple. The way I just explained it is almost robotic, right? Mm -hmm. Can we keep that 110% of the time? No, we're human beings. Just like you guys alluded to with the question, there's ups and downs. We have to understand that this morning routine is guidelines and understands if we're able to hold it 80% of the time, 90% of the time, we're winning. That's all we're aiming for. So that 10, 20% of the time that something comes out, you're out having drinks, you have travel, understand that it's okay to step away from it, but then to go back into it when you're ready. One. Second thing, because like I said, there are systems and processes in place. That's the main like perfect morning routine. But if imagine there's a morning that instead of waking up at 4 a.m., you're waking up at 5, then you could decide, okay, cool. I can't do this. I can't do that. But maybe I could sit down and do my gratitude. Maybe I could do meditation. So there's certain things that you could pick and choose to still utilize. So that's the way to kind of go about it.
Now, Lacey, you kind of mentioned at the end of that question, how do we do it when one day becomes two days, three days, so on and so forth, right? And then a habit gets replaced by a good habit or a bad habit. In that mm-hmm. case, a bad habit. I have a two-day rule with any habit. And I could even explain what happens within your prefrontal cortex, your basal ganga when a habit is developed. So I do not let it pass hell or high water two days of not doing something. Mm. So if I'm doing it one day and then next day I'm not doing it and then I don't do it for the other day as well, the third day I have to 100% do it. Because if not, then I'm creating a negative habit of doing something different. So those those are the rules that I uh, practice, that I uh, teach to my community and my uh, clients essentially. And it works quite well if you're dedicated and structured towards it. Fantastic. Yeah, I would imagine that's a no compromise for you. So if you were traveling or gone somewhere or even on vacation, you wouldn't you would choose to wake up at 4 a.m. versus stay out late and party if that was going to get in the way of you, you know, initiating that habit again. Is that correct? Hundred yeah, percent. And great. at the same time, uh, I am very logical. Like you guys asked, like, and I'm 32. I like having fun and all that stuff. But everything I do is predicated on my dreams and ambitions. And because my dreams and ambitions are so big it dictates a certain lifestyle. But that being said, being out and having fun is perfectly okay as well. So when I would sing that I'm waking up 4 a.m. every single day, it's actually from Monday to Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, I'm a bit more loose. Sometimes I could sleep in Saturday like at 6 a.m. because at this point, if you're waking up at 4, the two extra hours is huge, right? So you just have to be more decisive of where you want to spend your time. So that's the way uh, I approach it essentially. I love it. So you you kind of alluded to uh, brain chemistry, neurology, yes. how things work in the mind. And one of the things I saw on your website that was very intriguing to me is how to you utilize your unconscious mind for greater results. Yes. I saw that that's something that you speak about, and I can see that you're passionate about that. Can you give us a couple of highlights, tips on that in particular? 100%. And if you permit, I'm going to do a little story analogy here. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of, and I'm sure you have, but just to be sure for your audience as well, Earl Nightingale? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he has this audio clip called The Greatest Secret. If you guys haven't heard it, go please on YouTube, go check it out. It's a 30 minute clip. And within this clip, he mentions that the mind is the eighth undiscovered continent. And the first time I got into personal development in my early 20s, when I heard that, it really ringed the bell with me. I mean, what does he mean? I'm like, this is interesting. And that's when I really got into understanding how the mind works, how the biochemistry works. And then I realized, oh, there's something to do here. So when people talk about manifestation, setting goals, doing this, that, and the other, there's particular moments within the day to do it. And there's a particular way to do it that makes sense. So your subconscious mind could uh, react to it. So let me explain it in one way, shape, or form over here. So within your mind, there's two big parts, which is your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Your conscious mind is anywhere between 10 to 5% and your subconscious mind is anywhere between 90 to 95%. Now, what we have to understand, your subconscious mind is everything that's created around you goes through your subconscious mind. Like I said, it's the bigger part. But the way to look at it is that your conscious mind is the gardener planting the seed and watering the seed in your subconscious mind, which your subconscious mind is the earth. The earth, your subconscious mind, doesn't care what you plant. It will give it to you as much as abundance. You could be planting a beautiful apple tree. It'll give you this tree that's going to give you shade and apples, just like you could plant a poisonous tree and it's going to give you the poison in the same amount. Subconscious mind doesn't know. He doesn't care. He's just going to give you what you're asking for. So you have to understand with your conscious mind how to plant the proper seeds, how to plant the proper ideology and the proper approach at the proper time. So what does this mean 
for everybody that's listening and for us. We have to understand that this is the ideology of thinking negatively, thinking positively, being somebody that has a growth mindset towards somebody that has a fixed mindset, somebody that has a locus of control towards somebody that doesn't have a locus of control. So if you're there thinking of like, oh my God, this is not going to work. Oh, it's going to fail. Nine businesses out of 10 fail. If you're just thinking about that, that's what you're going to receive. Now, I'm not saying be stupid and don't think about that and not be aware of certain risks involved in anything you're doing. No, you have to be aware of it. But that's not something you have to repeat nonstop because once you're repeating it, it's getting registered in your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is bringing that dream to fruition. So what you have to do is think about the positive approach of it. Think about the opportunity. Think about what's going to come out of this. Think about the lessons in life when there's a difficulty. And then once you're getting that, your subconscious mind brings that towards you. Now, the best time to do that, like I said, is in the morning or in the evenings. And why that is, is because there's certain brain waves that are more correlated to your subconscious mind. And to do so, I'm going to explain to you real quick the five brain waves. The first one is gamma. Gamma is a high level of brain wave. When you get a, like a great idea, like an aha moment, you have high levels of gamma. Then you go into beta. Beta is the moment that we're on in right now. We're all consciously awake and we're in this just aware moment. Then you go into alpha. Alpha is a more relaxed state. Maybe you're done work. You're chilling with your wife. You're chilling with your significant other. Maybe you're taking a drink. You're just in a relaxed state. Then you go into theta. Theta is even more relaxed state. Maybe you're meditating. Maybe you're you're on a beach. You have your eyes closed, but you know you're on the beach, but you're going in and out of consciousness. And finally, going to delta, which is completely knocked out sleeping. Now, alpha and theta are the ones that are directly correlated to your subconscious mind from your conscious mind. So those are the moments that you have to put these messages in your brain and think about it. That's why people sometimes listen to airbots and positive messages when they go to sleep. And when they wake up, they're like, wow, this is working. It's because you're in high levels of alpha and theta. So that's just a small thing. I can legit talk about this until tomorrow morning, but that's a little small <laughs> rant on that. I love that. You know, we talk about the educated brain and the innate brain or educated mind and innate mind. And in that moment, kind of between theta and delta, there's a probably a delta and a half (laughs) where the educated mind is still able to receive information download from the infinite, from the innate intelligence that runs the body. Um, and that's when you have these incredible thought flashes. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, the answer to the world's problems. And what happens is you have to train yourself to bring yourself out of that state, right? Because you're uh, you're like on the verge of being asleep, right? And and bring yourself back up to where you might capture these I- ideas. So B.J. Palmer the developer of the profession chiropractic used to keep a pad by his bed so that he would force himself awake to write down these thought flashes because how many times do we wake up in the morning and we're like, Oh, Oh, what was that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that? Such a good idea. I I love that, Sean. I I love that. And what you're alluding to, if you permit, I want to add upon that. Actually, Thomas Edison was very much aware of what you're explaining and used to do it and utilize it to his advantage to really not lose those moments of ahas when you're kind of falling asleep and getting that that idea. And what he used to do, 
He's used to sleep on a chair in the middle of the day. He used to take a metal ball in his hand and under, under his hand, he used to put a plaque of metal and used to hold it. So what happens when you're holding the ball and you're falling asleep? At a certain point, when you fall asleep, your hand's going to get loose and the ball's going to hit the ground, right? And it's going to make a shock because there's another metal plaque there. So what he did, he used to activate his subconscious mind to get the idea. So if he's thinking about something, he's trying to figure out a solution, trying to figure out the light, so on and so forth. And he's having a hard time during the day. He used to take a little nap like that with the ball in his hand. And then when he used to wake up, he's like, oh, I got the solution. Because sometimes, not sometimes, actually, your subconscious mind works best when your conscious mind is not working. So mm-hmm. that's why when you're in the shower, you get that idea. That's why when you're sleeping, you get that idea. That's why when you're running, like, oh, my God, I just got the million dollar idea. It's because you leave room for your subconscious mind to breathe and grow. So I love that you mentioned that. I want to shift a little bit to you, Chris. Tell us a little more because this is all fascinating. And I'm sure our viewers and listeners are like, yes, this is in perfect alignment with, you know, our personal philosophy, mm-hmm. our business philosophy. Um, how how do people one um, contact you if they want more information? Number two, who do you help, and what do you help them do? You're talking about business coaches, but what kind of problems can you help our listeners and viewers solve? How do people know that they need to reach out and engage with you? So I love that. Thank you very much for that. So let's start with the second question. So who do I help? I help entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, Fortune 500s that really want to optimize their performance. And I often say this, okay? I don't take Honda Civics to make them into Ferraris. I take Ferraris and make them into F1s. And that's a very specific clientele. And that is a bit more meticulous and a bit more uh, different approach to get that. So if you fit that mold and be like, hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm very successful. It's doing great, but I'm having a hard time to go to that next level. Maybe my business is striving, but my family life is not thriving as much. Maybe my health is not following as much. Maybe my health is amazing. My family life is amazing. My sex life is amazing, but my bank account is really having a rough time. These are the people that come to me at such a high level. And then what we work together is we put the proper systems and processes, like I mentioned, that are going to make them succeed. We don't reinvent the wheel. We look at it, we break it down, and we change their ideologies and their approach. We tweak certain things here and there from their sleeping patterns, from their communication approach, from their delegation, from their business structure, from their mission, vision, because everything I do is in high-level peak performance in business and in life. This is why I love it both. It's not just like a business coach. It's not just a life coach. It's correlated together because I do believe that it's not one or the other. It really goes together. So these are the the clientele that I serve as well as obviously Fortune 500 in speeches and so on and so forth. And the best way to reach out to me is really go check me out on all social medias at Christopher Dedian. You guys can go check out my YouTube channel, Christopher Dedian. We definitely uh, post every single week, a couple of videos per week. So we have a lot of content there. If you guys are appreciating what you're hearing here, I have so much more there. If not on Instagram and all the other stuff as well, we bring some massive value. And if you want to connect with me and my team and see how I can support you and your team to really go to that next level, you could just go on my website at derianenterprises.com. So derianenterprises.com and my family name is D-E-D-E-Y-A-N. Go check out my coaching, my speaking. Go check out some of the people that have left some amazing uh, testimonials on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and so on and so forth. And send a message and we'll see if we could collaborate together and help you go to that next level. Perfect. That was wonderful. 
I'm really, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. That was great. (laughs) I'm really excited about the the content and the way that you think and the way that you help individuals. And I think there's a lot to be said about understanding not just how businesses work, but particularly how the neurology and the mind work to elevate and, and propel you in all all areas of your life. So I appreciate what you shared today. Thank you. Christopher, in closing, what's the biggest lesson that you think you've learned through this journey, um, whether it was related to dyslexia or it's related to now the success that you have received and blessings in your life, or maybe lessons that you've seen in your clients? What's the number one biggest lesson that you would share with our, our viewers and listeners? I'm going to throw you guys a major curveball after ranting for the next, for the last 30 minutes. The best thing that I've learned is I know nothing. Now, why am I relating that? I'm relating it to one of my favorite quotes from Socrates, a Greek philosopher, and I'm a huge fan of philosophy, is the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. And that's not because you don't know nothing. It's because it helps you understand that there's so much more to learn and it puts you in a position of being empathetic and being humbled that there's so much that you could learn and teach others. So that's one of the best lessons that I've learned in life. It puts me such in a humble position and 10 toes down as much as possible. So that's what I would share to that. Fantastic. Christopher, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with our audience. Um, you've been a tremendous blessing to the show. Um, we, we encourage everybody to reach out ChristopherDedian.com. Um, we'll put, make sure we put that in the show notes. Um, James will make sure that we put the links there. Um, we encourage you to reach out. Listen, if you have a story about why things cannot be the way that you think that they could be or way that you desire or wish them to be. Chris is a tremendous um, example. Now, now, not only just example to model yourself after, a tremendous leader, someone that can actually take you by the hand and guide you and help you to accomplish your life's goals just as he has. Um, and listen, just like he was saying, um, what a wonderful lesson that um, we know nothing. And, you know, in the current times, too, I think that that's something that everybody should put into perspective. You know, we're fighting all the time about politics, about the pandemic, you know, that's science, this is science. At the end of the day, um, we really don't know anything. I don't know if masks work and I don't know if vaccines work. I don't know if uh, we're going to have an economic correction. I don't know what happened in Afghanistan. I, like, we don't know. I mean, you just, you're, we're living this reality of the information that we're being fed. The goal here, um, as Christopher was saying, is to feed ourselves as much knowledge and information as possible so that we become better educated, better informed, and make better decisions. All right, everybody. Anything else to add? No. All right. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. We'll bring you another amazing guest, we promise. Until then, we'll see you next week.